Let's get together, talk about the movies that we saw this week. We'll have discussions, talk film news, we'll laugh a lot and act like geeks. Sometimes we'll have a guest or two, sometimes it's just the two of us. Let's crack some jokes and tell some folks to come along and hang with us! Mike and Mike go to the movies. Mike and Mike go to the movies. Yeah! You have chosen we are Mike and Mike go to the movies and we're here to make you think about death and get sad and stuff. Uh, I'm Mike Smith and joining me as always is a man who volunteers as tribute. Mike DeCrucio. How are you doing today, Mike? I'm doing great. Um, my Hunger Games man? Is that what's going on there? Uh, one of my movies is The Hunger Games. Oh, uh, the, okay. new, the new one that just came out. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's why that's being thrown in there. Got it. Understood. Yeah. Copy. The first the first part was a Scott Pilgrim reference. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Try, gotta try to be current with the times. You know? I get it. Yeah. <laughs> stuff from 15 years ago. Wow. Yeah. Perfect. 15 years ago but that had new releases this past weekend. Uh, Very weird. Really? Yeah. What a strange time to be living in. Uh, yes, absolutely. How are you doing today, Mike? I'm doing okay. Re- uh, recovering from our marathon Michelle Yopod finale recording session we had yesterday yeah so that's that's always an exciting time can't still can't believe that that show's over we're done with the season we're never we, gonna uh, talk about michelle yo ever again yeah. and for a month <laughs> and then she'll have a new thing coming out exactly yeah um yes like mike said uh we uh recorded our michelle yo finale episode yesterday for the complete works uh this episode will be out before that episode airs though uh this will be out this thursday and michelle yo will be out next week um but uh yeah i recommend uh people check it out because uh, it's a really good episode i think yeah uh, yeah just throwing it out there <laughs> i think that you should listen to the hard work we put into that episode exactly yeah if you uh maybe are only listening to like my go to the movies but haven't really dipped your toe into the uh, complete work so uh, give the finale a shot it's it's gonna be an all-encompassing uh michelle yo episode a really long one it's gonna be like at least three and a half hours uh yeah well worth your time uh and that'll be out on monday so check that out Yes, if you have, well, I guess on Monday, never mind. I was going to say, if you have long ho- holiday road trips coming up, because it's also Thanksgiving week, but mm. it'll be out after that. So it doesn't matter. Should have timed that out a little bit better. <laughs> <laughs> she should have been in one less movie. <laughs> exactly. I think we could have removed a movie from that filmography. It would have been... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> no no we needed all of it baby <laughs> exactly yeah uh yeah the complete work season three uh is finally wrapping up season four gonna be happening you know relatively soon we have to figure out who season four will be about uh, we got a couple of nicholas cage movies to get through first before we get into that uh so uh yeah in the near future we'll be figuring out season four of the complete works and we encourage people to uh get in on that get on the ground floor for season four uh you know start from the beginning and you know make like send us your picks for who you want season four to be about all that stuff yes Absolutely. But today we're going to kick it, kick it old school chill style or whatever the kids yes, say. That is uh, that is exactly what they say. All the Gen Z kids say we're kicking it old school chill style. That's right. Uh, and uh, yeah, no, today, uh, especially because we put, we had uh, such a long episode yesterday, uh, we figured we're going to take it easy for Mike and Mike this week and just do a discussions episode. Just talk about some of the random stuff we've been watching recently. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in, tr- in true Mike and Mike fashion, you watched everything and I was like, I guess I'll watch some things. <laughs> I think really what happened is I watched uh, the 10 Saw movies in the course of like four or five days. Right. And I was like, maybe movies were a bad choice. You know, <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm burned out on the idea of filmmaking for a yes. while. <laughs> the art, the art form of cinema. I've had enough of it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> 
no. Uh, and that's fair. That's totally fair. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I have a bunch of stuff to uh, to kind of get through today. Uh, we uh, basically we haven't done a discussions in I think a little over a month. Uh, so it's basically just the entire last month's worth of movies. I've culled it down a little bit, um, but a lot of the major new releases are pretty much what I'm talking about today. And then you've got kind of a mix of uh, stuff yeah. here and there, right, Mike? Yeah, every now some things I caught up from uh, caught up on from earlier this year, uh, and then just some stuff crossing off the list and one new Netflix series that I'll talk about a lot because it's the coolest. All right, fair enough. So let's get into it right now, Mike. It's time for our discussion. Watch this. These are my discussions. Just when I thought I said all I could say, my buddy and I talk about movies we see. These are my discussions. There is so much to see, you and me. So we're going to talk about movies for our discussions. All right, it's time for our discussions here on Mike and Mike Go to the Movies. And I think I'll kick things off with one thing right off the top, uh, a Netflix TV series that just premiered this past weekend that I referenced in my intro. And the reason I'm only going to bring it up kind of briefly is that uh, I've only seen the first two episodes of this show yet. There are eight episodes total. I've only seen the first two, but I really wanted to talk about Scott Pilgrim Takes Off which is a new anime series based on the Scott Pilgrim graphic novels slash movie. It is produced by Edgar Wright and Brian Lee O'Malley, uh, who Brian Lee O'Malley uh, wrote the graphic novel. Edgar Wright directed the movie. <laughs> um, yes. And and the entire voice cast is the entire cast of the movie. It's Michael Sarah, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Chris Evans, Brie Larson, Brandon Routh, uh, Kieran Culkin, Anna Kendrick, Aubrey Plaza. They're all back wow. for this TV show. And I remember when the show was announced, maybe a about a year ago or so, like something like that. I remember like seeing the announcement and being like, oh my God, I can't believe this is a thing that's happening. But in my mind, in the back of my head, I was like, okay, I could, I, I had an idea of what this was going to be. I was like, it's a, it's an anime adaptation of the graphic novel using the movie characters. So it'll be like the same story, but in a cartoon instead of a movie. And it'll be right. like, you know, uh, more, more true to the graphic novel or whatever. And I've read those books. So that, that was somewhat exciting to me. Uh, but at the same time, it's like, it's a little bit of a retread. You know, it, it felt a little bit like just kind of doing the same thing again i mean down to casting all the same people from the movie and right. all that stuff it's sort of like like in my mind i mean i think this was something i was more excited about than like your disney live action remakes but like it's not super that that concept not super far removed from my issues with those disney live action remakes you know um and so i watched the first episode of scott pilgrim takes off and thought it was pretty solid really enjoyed it throughout um but that first episode is kind of that uh it is you know hitting the same beats from the movie in the comic and you know expanding on it a little bit but you know not too much but it's still pretty fun i was enjoying it and then the first episode ends with a crazy twist uh, a huge difference from the uh comic slash movie and then the entire rest of the show from what i understand builds off of that and so i watched episode two all new stuff completely like you know new new territory uncharted territory for the scott pilgrim story and i was kind of blown away by it and it's it's really fun it's really funny uh the animation is really terrific uh and i can't wait to watch more i mean i i have a vague idea of what's happening now um like where it's going to go from here because the spoilers are all over the internet now but i really really love those first two episodes and just the way like pulled the wool over my eyes and being like, this is not what you expected this to be at all. Uh, and I think that was a lot of people's reaction to it uh, is, is really great. So yeah, Scott Pilgrim takes off uh, as somebody who loves Scott Pilgrim, uh, you know, the comic and the movie. I saw the movie three times. It was in theaters. It was the first Blu-ray I ever bought. So, like wow. it was, a, it was a whole thing. Uh, I've seen that movie countless, countless times. Uh, I think this anime show is, is turning out to be like a really fun companion piece to the movie, a great continuation of that story in some ways. Uh, so yeah, Scott Pilgrim takes off. 
it rules. I uh, can't wait to watch the rest. That's awesome. Yeah, I saw, like, I, I don't know what the twist is. I haven't watched any of it yet, but I, do, I did see um, the showrunner, Ben David Grubinski, tweeting something along the lines of, like, I can't believe we managed to pull off this thing. And like, he didn't like that. We pulled this off maybe or something is what he said. Yeah. Um, and I guess, and like, he's been like, be careful with spoilers kind of all weekend. He was tweeting like, Oh no, no, no. Like, ah, and, like, yeah. he was kind of all over it. And then I think by Sunday night he was like, well, it's out there. It's all like, I can't pretend anymore. Um, so that's really cool. I'm excited. Like, I, I don't know what it is, uh, still, which is cool, but, um, it's funny. Like, you know, kudos to them for being able to do trick everybody basically into being like, oh, okay. Yeah. It's going to be the Scott Pilgrim thing again. And then I guess it's not. Uh, so that's, that's pretty neat. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, worth checking out. It's on Netflix right now. Mike D., what have you been watching lately? Well, I guess I'll start with my Netflix show also. Um, sure, that makes sense. Makes sense. And this is a, another anime show that just dropped, I believe, last weekend or the weekend before. And it is called Blue Eye Samurai. And um, this is a just it's it's just the most my shit there could possibly be a thing <laughs> basically um this is a a anime set in like it's like an opening text crawl kind of thing like 1630 something japan which has now closed its borders um and expelled anything outlawed uh anything of like european descent people of european descent and also like uh european origin items you know stuff like that um, right. is, is outlawed um so anybody that is of mixed race would be seen as like a demon and treated as a monster and stuff like that. And the main character is a mixed race uh, white person. Uh, you know, his father were white and uh, his mother was Japanese. And she's a samurai. And it's just the whole thing that like there were four people, four white people in Japan at the time of her birth, the main character, Mizu, uh, her birth. And so she's like swears revenge on these four people doesn't know which one of them is her father but like all four of them will die uh basically is like the first episode and it is the beginning of that journey it's only eight episodes long and of course it has awesome samurai action the animation is really incredible the it's a tvma and it's like a hard tvma like it's really violent uh but not not stylized which makes it really intense it's almost like a like you know like a jeremy saulnier movie or something like all of a sudden there's just like really (laughs) graphic realistic violence and you're like holy shit this is nuts um a lot of nudity and stuff but not in any kind of like uh grotesque or like you know uh pornographic way or anything like that but it's just really awesome and a mature intense story about that you know living in a society that is treats you as a demon just because you are of mixed race um there's also like an androgyny thing to mizu being that she's a woman in a like this heavily male dominated world and so she's pretending to be a man so that she can pass as a samurai and like that whole thing uh, walking in both worlds and all this stuff and it's just an absolute delight it's so cool it's so intense the the action is amazing i was reading a whole thing about that they in the pre-production hired like an actual stunt team like as if they were making a live action movie and had them fully choreograph all the action scenes for the season and then that's what they used as the reference to do the animation rather than just being like i think normally animated shows and stuff like that like it's the animators themselves do like uh, live action references and just so they have like pose references and things right yeah um but this was like full like previs uh like stunt team choreography which they then used to animate uh the show the action the fight scenes and stuff and they look so fucking cool 
Um, and I forget who's the the person's name, the woman's name that I is not a showrunner or it's not created by her, but they call it's like an executive director or something like that. There's like some weird, you know, Netflix non-union job title or some shit. <laughs> okay, uh, basically, yeah. it seems like where she, I guess, is effectively the showrunner, but she's been doing a lot of the, uh, they, I forget the name checked, like the Battle of New York was a lot of her in the Avengers movie. She did oh, the really? Age okay. of Ultron and a couple other like high profile action stuff in the kind of like blockbuster space. That's that wasn't the uh, the John Wick team. What is that? Thirty seven eleven. I think That's is there. Yeah, something like that. Something yeah. like that. Yeah, that's not them. Eighty seven eleven. Eighty seven eleven. Yeah, I think you're right. So a lot of like major blockbuster action scenes. Is, is this woman has been doing the stunt directing for, and now she's showrunning the show, and it looks awesome and it's great. And um, and every episode is like forty five minutes. It's just like right in that sweet spot. The first episode is an hour long, but it really ends with like a ten minute like coming this season kind of like preview thing at the end of the episode. So like actually, it's only forty five minutes or whatever. Yeah. Um, and big big recommend. Had so much fun. I watched uh, like two episodes of the first. That was like, oh my god, I got to keep going. And then I watched two episodes, two episodes. So I watched it over a weekend. Um, and I really hope that it doesn't become one of those things we always talk about with like hot, hot new Netflix show for five days. And then nobody ever remembers it or talks about it again. <laughs> and we know Netflix hates their animation department. So they're cutting the budgets on everything, laying right. off everybody. So um, it ends on a pretty big cliffhanger and stuff. So I'm really hoping there is more in the future for Blue Eye Samurai. But holy shit, it's so good. Nice. All right. So Blue Eye Samurai, uh, which is on Netflix right now, an anime heavy kickoff to uh, yeah. Our discussions episode here. Yeah, um, I think you would really love it too, Blue Eye Samurai, especially having just watched all these Michelle Yeoh movies. And like, right. I mean, those obviously aren't samurai movies, but like, definitely Wuja stuff is involved in the influences for Blue Eye Samurai. So check it out. Very cool. All right. The first season of that's on Netflix right now. How many episodes is it, Mike? It is eight episodes. Eight episodes, just like Scott Pilgrim takes off. There My you God. go. <laughs> it's the conspiracy. Yes. Uh, yes. All right. So yeah, both of those are on Netflix. And then I have a few, uh, I mean, like I said, mo- all of mine are new releases. I'll, I'll go through a couple of mine right now. Uh, first of which it's been a while since we've done a discussions episode. So I haven't really had a chance to talk about uh, killers of the flower moon on the podcast. Oh, yeah. yet, uh, which of course is the new movie uh, directed by Martin Scorsese, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Robert De Niro and Lily Gladstone, friend of the show. Um, yes. I met, I met her once. Uh, she's great. Uh, <laughs> she, that's she, enough. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. That's, that's all it takes. Um, and I, I not just met her. I did a Q&A with her for a different movie uh, that she was in called Quantum Cowboys. Uh, it played at the Montana Film Festival last year. And yeah, so and she's great. She uh, has ties to the Roxy Theater here in Missoula, the Indian theater near my house where I also work because she used to work there also. So we're basically co-workers. Yeah. Yeah. You're best I, friends. We, our co-working, our working time doesn't overlap by any means. <laughs> not even close. But <laughs> but yeah, there's still connections there for sure. But uh, Killers of the Flower Moon uh, is the new historical period epic directed by Scorsese. Uh, depicting uh, this, uh, the murders of the Osage people in the early 1900s and the kind of orchestrated uh, all the white people who were doing those murders. And it's a really, really incredible movie. I, I loved Killers of the Flower Moon. I think it's such a, a sweeping epic. It is, uh, you know, it's a tense crime thriller. It's also incredibly devastating. Uh, and there are a lot of great performances in this, but Lily Gladstone's performance is like one of those things where you see it and you're like, holy shit, how can somebody be this good in a, in a movie kind of thing? Yeah. Uh, she's unbelievable. She's so great. And yeah, it's it's an incredibly powerful, intense story that it, it's uh, uh, is told incredibly well. It's it's a Scorsese movie, and we we don't get many of these anymore. And it's it's worth watching them when you do, you know. <laughs> 
It's so funny. I, I saw there was like a, some article mentioning that, but it was, I think it was an interviewer with Ridley Scott because he's promoting Napoleon. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, ah, fuck off. I made four movies in the time it took him to make Killers of the Flower <laughs> Moon, which is hilarious. And it's yep. like the, the difference between Scorsese being like, every moment is fleeting. We must appreciate what we can get. And Ridley Scott being like, fuck you. I'll keep making movies till I'm yes. dead. I'm going to live forever. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> So funny. Uh, yeah. And so Killers of the Flat Moon is devastating. I think it's it's an intensely personal story for Scorsese. And uh, I think the ending of the movie, uh, without spoiling what like Scorsese does with it, um, really kind of drives that home in a really interesting way. Uh, I think, yeah, Gladstone's amazing. Robert De Niro is like an unbelievable villain in this movie. Wow. Um, he's so great. DiCaprio, also very good. Uh, Jesse Plemons pops up. And when he pops up like two hours into the movie, it's like, oh shit, here we go. You know, and there's uh, just so many great moments in this film. Uh, it's it's a beautifully shot movie. It's a beautifully edited movie. I, I really loved it. So yeah, Killers of the Flower Moon. It is, I believe, still in theaters right now. I know we're still playing it with the Roxy, actually. Um, but uh, yeah, I think you can go see it in theaters. And I think at some point relatively soon, it'll be on Apple TV plus as well because it's distributed by Apple. Uh, and they just announced a Blu-ray of the movie uh, today, actually, cool. uh, which I know a lot of people were concerned about, like if, uh, if it was going to get a Blu-ray release. Uh, so it is. So that's good. Thank uh, God. you. haven't had the chance to see this yet, right, Mike? I have not. Yeah, this is uh, I mean, I also still haven't seen Oppenheimer. Um, and uh, I think that is finally on VOD or something, I think recently. I think right? so. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe as of last week or so. But yeah, I don't know. It's one of those things where it's like, oh man, this is the Zeitgeist movie, but like it's now two or three weeks later. And I'm like, well, I guess I'll just wait. Uh, but, but, you know, like, I don't know. I guess I'll see it eventually. Um, right. But uh, I also didn't see, I still haven't seen The Irishman either. So maybe I just have to have like a long Saturday and just uh, sit down and watch six hours of Martin Scorsese movies. Yeah. I mean, if The Irishman and Killers of the Flat Moon together, it's more like seven hours. Uh, is it seven? Okay, perfect. I, they're, they're both three and a half hours long. So yeah, it would be. Oh, God. <laughs> seven hours uh that's your whole day right there but it would be a good day mike it's uh i mean uh the irishman i i feel like maybe people some people didn't like the irishman i loved it i think it's like top tier scorsese it was one of my favorite movies of that year i think killers of the flower moon almost as good as the irishman uh wow. you know all, all really terrific i mean the, you know i i don't think you can really go wrong with a scorsese movie tends to make very good stuff <laughs> You know, yeah. one of the one of the greatest to ever do it. Uh, this actually this month at the Roxy, um, because of Killers of the Flower Moon, uh, we've been doing a series called the Scorsese's, where nice. uh, we have been playing movies that Martin Scorsese made in the 80s. We've been playing Raging Bull, King of Comedy. I did not get to go to see those. I've seen them before. Uh, I did get a chance to go see After Hours, um, nice. which uh, I have seen once before. But man, that that theater sold out. It was a sold out screening of After Hours, and it was just such a great time. It was, I mean, After Hours is basically a perfect film, uh, and it was super fun to watch that genuinely like one of the funniest moments in a movie that i think about kind of all the time is the scene in after hours where griffin dunn is in the taxi on the way downtown like kind of the like inciting incident in the movie and it yeah. turns into like a silent comedy like it's all like in uh like hot, slow frame rate or whatever where it's like all sped up and stuff and he's like bouncing around and rolling over in the back of the taxi it's this guy speeding downtown yes and, uh, he puts the like 20 dollar bill in the little thing the slot in the window and it's just like shoo shoots out the window because it's <laughs> so windy he's going so fast uh and that's the reason he has no cash for the whole rest of the movie um yep. but that whole scene is just so funny like him just rolling around and bouncing all over in the back seat it's, yes i think about it all the time it's crazy it's so good i watching after hours like i thought to myself uh you know 10 years ago when i was 20 like this could have been like a normal tuesday night for me yeah uh and now watching it when i'm 30 like oh this is the worst nightmare imaginable <laughs> this is I, this is the most stressed out i've ever been what kind of psycho would agree to leave their apartment that late at night like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know 
<laughs> and I guess he, you know, uh, Patricia Arquette, you know, Roseanne yeah. Arquette. Patricia I think it's Roseanne Arquette. I think it is. Uh, Roseanne, yeah. Roseanne Arquette, yeah. Um, uh, you know, hard to say no. I get it. Yeah, I get it. Uh, but yeah, Killers of the Flower Moon. It's out in theaters right now. Go see it. It's fantastic. Uh, and then a couple other just other kind of quick ones here. No Hard Feelings is now streaming on Netflix, uh, which is the new comedy starring Jennifer Lawrence, which I meant to go see back in June when it came out and then never did. Uh, yep. But uh, I went. I watched it on Netflix and had a really good time. This movie's really funny. I, I had a very good time with it. It's Jennifer Lawrence and uh, this other guy. I forget his name. Yep. <laughs> blanket, blanket on what his name was. Uh, but the idea is that uh, Jennifer Lawrence answers and ad uh you know she's about to lose her house she doesn't have a job she uh she's an uber driver and she loses her car so she can't drive has no money uh and so in order to make enough money to save her house she agrees to uh date this kid's son this like 19 year old son who never came out of his shell he's about to go off to college and uh yeah and the parents uh, one of them is matthew broderick uh <laughs> and perfect yeah. And so she dates it's Jennifer Lawrence, like in her thirties, like pretending to date a 19 year old, essentially. And all the sexy escapades that uh, they get, they get up to. Uh, and yeah, it's a pretty fun time. It's pretty good. I had a good time with it. Jennifer, it's genuinely top three Jennifer Lawrence performance. She's great in it. That's um, what I heard. Uh, I haven't seen this one either, but I remember all the buzz that it got and everyone being like, wait a second. Yeah. Is this <laughs> actually a good movie? Hold on. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really solid. It's a, it's a really fun comedy and it's on Netflix now. So uh, it's worth watching uh, there. And then also recently I, I went to New York uh, and I came back and uh, you know, that's typically how flying works. Yep. Uh, on my flight, on one of my flights, when I came back, I watched Transformers Rise of the Beast from the Michelle Yeoh podcast. On the other flight, 6 a.m., I'm leaving for uh, Minneapolis. I'm leaving from Missoula to Minneapolis and then going to New York. Uh, I needed something to keep me awake, but like not something where like, eh, if I fell asleep, it's not a big deal. Uh, so I put on the Super Mario Brothers movie. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> uh, and I got to say, kept me awake. It's, it's uh, uh, you know, uh, the biggest endorsement I can make, give it. It's, uh, it kept me awake. It's an okay time. It's fine. Uh, it's it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> billion dollars. Yeah. Okay, I yeah, mean, I guess. essentially, yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, I'm somebody who uh, I've played a lot of Mario games in my life. I do have an affinity for Mario as a franchise and stuff. And uh, this movie is just filled with, you know, a lot of moments where I could point at the screen and being like, hey, I know that. Hey, I know, I yeah. know that. Uh, uh, and it's filled with all that. And uh, I don't think it really holds together as a movie all that well, but as a, a an experience for that, uh, you know, I uh, I kind of enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty fun. Uh, the, really, the only thing hurting it, like, I mean, you know, the only thing that like really stands out as like actively not great is unfortunately Chris Pratt's Mario voice. Um, it's just because it's just his voice. It's not he's not doing like anything else to yeah. it. Uh, so it just feels wrong coming out of Mario. Uh, the other ones like all mostly feel right. Like Charlie Day's playing Luigi. That's pretty good casting. I get that. Seth Rogen's playing and Donkey Kong, great. Awesome. Chris Pratt played Mario. I just don't, I don't get it. It's, it's, it doesn't, doesn't work. It doesn't compute. Uh, yeah. Jack Black, <laughs> right. Is a uh, uh, Bowser. Yeah. He kills it. He's great in, nice. in the movie. Yeah. So uh, there's that, but yeah, Super Mario Bros movie animation's really nice. It uh, held my attention long enough uh, to keep me awake on an airplane to Minneapolis. So uh, yeah, the highest endorsement I could possibly give <laughs> ringing endorsement. Uh, what else you've been watching, Mike? I'll go to a documentary that I watched uh, new to HBO max in the last couple of weeks, I think. And that is Albert Brooks defending my life. Um, and yeah, I mean, Albert Brooks is somebody that I'm just sort of like been culturally aware of. I haven't particularly seen, I don't think any of his movies that he's like directed or written or anything like that, which I know those movies all have like a huge cult around them. And, and he in general is a huge cult comic and stuff. Um, and that's really what this documentary is. It's about just his influence in sort of, uh, you know, the comedy world. And it has tons of people, uh, 
David Letterman, John Stewart, Sarah Silverman, everybody, Nikki Glaser, like just tons of comedy people. Right. And then also movie people um, and, and talking about the way that he ch- shaped cinema on top of shaping like stand up comedy and stuff. Um, but it was really interesting more just as a um, kind of, you know, just an exploration of his career and stuff. And it, it is pretty surface level. I think it's uh, directed by Rob Reiner. I believe, right? Is the son of Carl Reiner, if I have that? Yes, Rob. No, yeah, you, yeah. you got that right. Rob, had, Rob yeah. Reiner, who has many accomplishments to his name besides just being the son of Carl Reiner. I know, but I forgot which order they, who's the dad and who's the son. Uh, right, the yes. Yeah, Rob Reiner. Rob Reiner, um, director of The Princess Bride and Misery. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and they've been, uh, it turns out Rob Reiner and Albert Brooks have been best friends since like junior year of high school or something. They went to high school together, were in an acting class right. and uh, have had a lifelong friendship. Uh, and so it's really just like, you know, two, be- two old buds who are now, you know, kind of aging into that t- t- thinking about mortality uh, era of their lives and right. just reflecting back on Albert Brooks's career and stuff. And it, yeah, it's really interesting. It's pretty slight. It's like 90 minutes, I think. Uh, and it's, ve- you know, obviously very funny and really interesting just to hear these kind of old timey comedy stories and legends about Albert Brooks's father was like a vaudeville type comedian guy who was in a lot of movies who like literally died on stage. <laughs> it was a wild story. Yeah. Um, I think it, they were inducting Lucille Ball into some, oh, I forget the name of the club or lodge or whatever, some like, you know, Rat Pack style uh, kind of thing. And she was the first women to ever be inducted into this. And so it was like a huge event, like all of Hollywood, uh, you know, culture was there for this kind of thing. And he uh, gave a 10 minute monologue opening speech, sat down in his chair and died. On stage. Uh, it was it's wild um so like yeah just like and the way that you know as a 10 year old that would then shape albert brooks's like whole performing career um yeah and all of that so yeah and then and then on top of all of his movies uh everything so yeah i mean it's a pretty good if you're just kind of interested in comedy and sort of just like you know um show business history in the 70s and 60s and stuff like that very fascinating he's the reason snl has rotating hosts because apparently lauren michaels wanted it to be the albert brooks show like he wanted i think i've him. heard that actually Yes. Yeah. And he was like, no, I don't want to do that. You should have a different host every every week. And then they went away. And then like three weeks later, they're like, OK, but you have to be in the first episode. <laughs> and it right, was like, well, yeah, because, yeah, Albert Brooks used to do like uh, shorts every week on SNL. Like, right. that was his, yes. And they talked about that, that the, the, he's the reason that SNL has the, you know, like now it's the digital shorts. But like they have like film short film segments because Albert Brooks, that was part of his deal also. It was like, yeah. I'll only do this if I could do my short films. So that's really fascinating. And then, you know, it's SNL. He's the reason SNL is the way it is. And here we are. <laughs> All right. this time, all these times later, all these years later. And yeah, a lot of stuff like that. Just little, little like tidbits and histories and stuff about Albert Brooks. And, and it's very fun, you know? So if you want to watch kind of like a, it has a little bit of like a, you know, my dinner with Andre vibe because it's literally the two of them in a restaurant to like talking to each other. And then it's <laughs> yeah. cutting to uh, clips and segments and stuff of him on late night shows or clips from his movies or stand up routines and stuff like that. Um, and then other interviews with, you know, comedy people. Um, right. So that's Albert Brooks defending my life. Yeah, sounds awesome. Yeah, sounds really fun. Um, I love yeah. Albert Brooks. Uh, did, did they ever talk about his time on The Simpsons by any chance? Oh, yes. They have, uh, what's the Good. guy? Max L. Brooks? Is that the guy that? James somebody? L. Brooks. James L. Brooks, yeah. Uh, he's one of the talking head guys, and they're, they're okay. talking about, um, he has like a whole story about, you know, the only time that writers would be happy that their scripts would be thrown out were weeks that Albert Brooks was there because he could just like riff and just like <laughs> do their thing. And like, who cares about what I wrote? Albert Brooks is here. Um, right. And stuff like that. And yeah, all, all the characters, they, they like do like a kind of like quick montage of like all the voices he's done uh all the characters he's played on 
the Simpsons and stuff. It's very, very fun. Rad. Awesome. That's Albert Brooks Defending My Life. I believe it's on HBO Max, right, Mike? Yes, correct. Cool. All right. What else have you been watching? Um, and then uh, I'll jump into this since, since it's been a long time since we've uh, done a discussions episode. The movie that I watched on Halloween night a month ago, following up all my Saw movies, was was uh, the movie from earlier this year. Was it like June or something? Was The Last Voyage of the Demeter. I believe it was like August. Uh, was it, it August? Was, li- was a little bit later. I think it was a quick turnaround to uh, the yeah. <laughs> the streaming services. It was one of those things where you're like, why are you putting this out in the summer? Halloween's yeah. right there. Um, That's true. <laughs> you know? But uh, yes, this is a adaptation of a single chapter in uh, Dracula. And they even say that in the beginning of the, like it is a text crawl at the beginning of the BV that says oh, yeah. like, based on the, forget exactly, the like l- the ship log of the Demeter from chapter blah, blah, blah in Bram Stoker's Dracula kind of thing. <laughs> which is kind of interesting. Yeah, it's um, funny. It's funny that we had two Dracula movies this past year that were like, not really Dracula movies, like yeah. just kind of like off to the side Dracula movies. <laughs> yeah, just without Dracula the title and stuff. Yeah, it's very funny. And yeah, this is this is about the journey in the book. Uh, Dracula ships himself from Romania to London to close his, um, you know, real estate scam or whatever the hell is going on in Dracula. I forget. Um, and this is about that boat journey. And it stars uh, your boy Liam Cunningham, Sir Davos Seaworth. <laughs> Sweet Jesus Seaworth. That's what that's called. Sweet him, Jesus yeah. Seaworth, yes. Uh, he's the captain. You got a Dismalchian in there because he's a little freak and he's awesome nice. in this, like always. Um, and yeah, just a bunch of other character, character actors like that. And it's just a, like, it's a fun little, you know, I don't know, 90 minute or two, actually, no, it's a little bit longer than that. Uh, two hour movie, which I think might be the, the, the like hang up for this movie. It's pretty fun. I think the, it's like pretty violent when it gets there, when it's like starts doing the slasher stuff, it is very claustrophobic for a, what I guess is a monster movie, but you know, it's them trapped on this boat in the middle of the ocean with Dracula, right. <laughs> you know, um, and there's this there's a fun thing that it's like the the issue is a little bit that it's it starts like it's like a mystery of like what's in this casket. It's like we know <laughs> what are we dragging this out for, you know, um, kind of thing. But maybe it makes it feel a little little overlong in some, in some parts. But like once it gets going and once. Um, he escapes from his casket, and that's obviously you know the whole thing in the movie is <laughs> that Dracula right. gets out. He's going to attack people. That stuff is all really creepy. It's really it looks really good uh, production design wise and stuff. The boat is like you get the you get all about the geography of the boat and the signals that like okay. knocking and all this stuff, so they know can communicate between decks and all this stuff. It's real fun. So yeah, I mean, just as like a popcorn and beer on a, on Halloween night with some friends, like thumbs up for Last Voyage of the Demeter. I don't know if it's a gonna like be a yearly rewatch or anything like that, but it was it was a fun time all right that's the last voyage of the demeter uh i think the streaming on hbo max as well or somewhere it's a, else it's around i think it's H- around hbo sounds right but yeah feels like the place where it'd be but yeah i don't know but yeah the last voyage of the demeter uh rad yeah i never got to see that in theaters i kind i was like i kind of wanted to see it like it wasn't like one that i was like yeah if there's yeah. nothing else playing i'll go see last voyage of the demeter but unfortunately there was other stuff playing that i wanted to see yeah <laughs> to exactly see. <laughs> it's you know throw it on one night just see what happens all right fair enough uh yeah the last voyage of the demeter and then uh I recently went to go see The Holdovers, um, nice. which uh, is the new film from Alexander Payne, uh, director of Election and Sideways. Uh, and his most recent movie was Downsizing, which I really disliked. I was going to ask, what was, <laughs> wasn't, who's the guy that made Downsizing that everyone hated? Yep. Downsizing was awful. But The Holdovers is a big comeback for nice. Alexander Payne. It's 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 very, very good. Uh, this movie stars Paul Giamatti as a history teacher in like the 1970s in like a Boston boarding school. And the uh, The Holdovers kind of refers to the kids who don't get to go home for Christmas, like their parents 
are you know busier. They can't you know they have to stay at the school during the holidays. Uh, and so Paul Giamatti is the teacher assigned to stay at the school to watch over the kids. Uh, and ultimately, it is just one kid mainly that has to stay there, who's played by Dominic Senna or Sessa. I believe it's his first movie. He's fantastic in it. And Paul Giamatti, unbelievable in this movie. He's so great. And Divine Jar Randolph is the other kind of main character here, a black woman who is the cook at the school. Her son recently died in Vietnam. And so she's dealing with that kind of hardship. Um, It's a great Christmas movie. It's a very good comedy drama. It feels like the kind of movie that we used to get like 20 of every year. And now we don't get any of (laughs) You know, I saw uh, I saw I haven't seen this yet, but I saw one person talking about like how how much it made them miss New England winter dark comedy. Yes. <laughs> um, it's like, huh, <laughs> you're right. Yeah. And it really feels like I have a piece with like Hal Ashby movies and Paul Mazursky movies. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I really, really love the holdovers. Uh, it's it's really, really terrific. Uh, and so well worth checking out. Nice. Yeah. I mean, heard really great things that I yeah just haven't gotten around to it yet. So uh, lo- love a love a Paul E.G. movie. I don't know. I'm just going to decide that's what we all call him. Paul E.G. Good old Paul E.G. Uh, yeah. No, and I, we haven't seen him in a while. I don't think I feel like it's been a little bit since I've seen Paul Giamatti in a movie. Right. Yeah, the last thing I can remember is uh, uh, last thing I remember watching with him in it is Morgan, right? <laughs> He's the kid on the, on the Yofod, but that's obviously is from like twenty fourteen or twenty sixteen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, although I remember in our Morgan episode, we were both like, "Man, Paul Giamatti is killing it in this movie. Yeah. He's so good. He's awesome." <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, The Holdovers is really fantastic. A great Giamatti performance and well worth checking out. Uh, I also went to go see The Marvels uh, recently. Oh. Uh, the new movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, which if you talk to some people, uh, it means the, the, the end times. The, the death of the universe is near. <laughs> yeah, just uh, the way they're all throwing Nia, Mia DaCosta under the bus on that is just the wildest yeah, that's PR smear really, campaign I've ever seen. Yeah, uh, <laughs> very weird. Not a fan of that. Um, but uh, yeah, the Marvels, I went to go see it, and uh, I was kind of excited for it. I thought the trailers looked okay, and you know, I'm always down for it. I'm going to go see whatever new Marvel thing comes out. And so yeah, this is directed by Nia DaCosta, who directed the Candyman uh, sequel that came out a couple years ago, which I liked. So that was pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, that ruled. Uh, yeah, that was that was fun. Um, and so the Marvels is the sequel to Captain Marvel, and it is also a sequel to WandaVision and a sequel to the Ms. Marvel TV show. And that's the real problem here. <laughs> I'm out. Uh, that That's the thing. I think, uh, you know, people have been kind of like talking about the Marvels and like, you know, it's it's uh, time at the box office and why it underperformed so badly. You know, I think um, it, the like the first Captain Marvel made a billion dollars. Right. Uh, and this one, I think, is going to fail to make like a hundred million domestically. Like it wow. seems like it's going to be like a pretty huge bomb for Marvel, which is kind of crazy. Um, but I don't think it's, you know, I, I think there's a lot of factors that kind of go into that. I think, you know, maybe, maybe part of it is the strike and the actors couldn't promote it or whatever. Um, I think more of it is that people don't, people are getting kind of sick of the mediocre superhero movies. Like they, yeah. they'll come out for the good ones, you know, guardians three, huge hit, spider verse two, huge hits. Um, but every other superhero movie this year was like, it, it did not do well or severely underperformed right and i think the marvels is like the latest victim of that but also i think the increased interconnectivity of the disney plus tv shows and the movies is really really hurting them and you know i mean we've talked about this for years i think you called that as soon as they announced they were going to be doing that with disney plus shows yeah (laughs) i hate to be right about that but vindication but uh yeah and it's a weird thing like i actually i you know i enjoyed i enjoyed wandavision i loved the ms marvel tv show like i thought the ms marvel show was great uh so ostensibly 
I am like the target audience for this movie. And I was just like, yeah, it was fine. It's, it's okay. It's, <laughs> it's sucks. not, it, yeah, it's, it's not that great. It really feels like it's missing significant chunks. Like it's, it's an hour and 45 minutes. It's, it's way shorter than most Marvel movies. And part of me is like, oh wow, maybe they're like, you know, just did like a really brisk, quick paced, great story that can just kind of get, get, get in and out. But instead it just feels like 40 minutes of the movie are missing somewhere. Like that's, that's Oof. what it felt like to me. And that's the, that's the thing to me. I was like, I've watched every one of these movies. I've watched every one of these TV shows. I have a better knowledge of the comics than most. I felt like I was missing something. Like I that's felt wild. like there was, I felt like there was parts of the story that I didn't get, <laughs> you know? Uh, so that, that to me, that, that feels like a big problem to me. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think the Marvels is ultimately like I had, I had some fun with it. There's some okay scenes, you know, uh, it's got Sam Jackson back as Nick Fury and there's a lot of good stuff with uh, goose, the cats, uh, and <laughs> there's a lot more of the cats. There's a big sequence with all the flurkins in the, uh, in the movie and they're doing a whole thing. Uh, yeah, I think the, the villain is incredibly uh, half baked. I think there's a lot of scenes that just feel like, man, if they had gone further with this, this could have been really something. There's a sequence about halfway through the movie where the Marvels, uh, just all three characters, um, go to this planet where uh, Carol is actually like the princess of. Um, wow. And and it's a it's an all singing planet. The idea is that like they don't speak, they, they can't speak. If you're speaking in a normal voice, they won't understand you. You have to sing everything you say. Uh, and it's like 70% of the way there to doing like a full on musical number. Yeah. And then it just doesn't do it. And I was like, if you're going to like do that planet and do that concept, like give me a full musical number do something <laughs> that you know is what i assume the plot of that show schmigadoon is <laughs> and i don't <laughs> I don't know anything about that show, but um, that's wild that they would introduce like a like a musical like a like a musical planet, yeah, uh, and just not have a musical number. Yeah, it kind of like starts like one kind of like starts, but it never really like crescendos into a real musical number. Okay, yeah, uh, and then it's just like, well, all right, that's it, <laughs> that's it. Wild. We're moving on. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I think the Marvels uh, is ultimately okay. Like if you're invested in those characters, um, but I think it does absolutely no work to kind of try to introduce you to you know new character like the like you know it like a lot of people have you have to assume a lot of people haven't watched the ms marvel show or wandavision right right and i think this movie just kind of like start it feels like i think somebody said it was like it feels like the season finale to a show that doesn't exist like that's huh. <laughs> you know like it, it kind of yeah, just yeah, throws yeah. you in there and it's like okay it assumes you know who these characters are, are already and like i did but i still felt like i was missing something you know there's no attempt to just introduce them within the context of the movie and so yeah felt felt off and then you know there's a couple of like shoehorned in cameos here and there that don't really work uh and i'm gonna go ahead and spoil the post credit scene of the marvels i don't know if you've heard what I happens have. in it yeah yeah so the post credit scene of the marvels um monica rambo uh the one from wandavision tiona paris's character um she at the end of the movie she gets like basically thrown into another universe and then the movie ends like she sacrifices herself she's in the other universe right uh, and then the post credit scene is her waking up in that universe and she sees her mom um but her mom doesn't know her because it's a different universe um right got it uh, yeah. and so that's like an emotional beat on its own because her mom died, all that stuff. It, it, all stuff you would know if you've seen WandaVision. While she uh, was snapped, right? If I remember correctly or something. Yes, yeah. yeah. And they do and they do like kind of briefly recap that in this movie. Okay. Um, but, uh, and then after that, um, Beast walks in. Uh, the uh, Beast from the X-Men, oh. uh, played by Kelsey Grammer. Uh, Kelsey Grammer? <laughs> not even Nicholas Holt? Yeah. <laughs> 
right? well, yeah, well, Kelsey Grammer was in uh, X-Men 3 as Beast Mike. Yeah, he, has, he has played the character before. Um, but the weird thing is, uh, it's not like the prosthetics like it was in X-Men 3. It's just like a CGI beast with Kelsey Grammer's voice. Uh, oh, and you I know think, he was like, I'm not putting that shit on. <laughs> yes, but I also think it looks bad. I've, I've seen oh, a lot really? of people on Twitter being like, oh, man, I'm so glad Beast looks like he did in the X-Men animated series or whatever. And I'm like, I don't know. I think this looks pretty bad. Interesting. <laughs> I, mean, I haven't seen a picture of it or anything. So that's uh, interesting. yeah, I, I prefer the prosthetic beast. Uh, that's that's just me. Um, but yeah, it's it's Kelsey Grammer. I'm sure they'll have Nicholas Holt back as Beast at some point, too. I don't know. Uh, it's, it's also a weird thing to me where it's like, I don't know. They got the X-Men characters back. They got the rights to use those characters. And I think everybody was like, yeah, they're going to reboot the X-Men with new char- people playing the cast and like do a fresh start. And uh, all they've done with it so far is bring back old people who've played X-Men. Characters. Yeah, Patrick Stewart, right? In, uh... Patrick Stewart was in Multiverse of Madness and Hugh Jackman's coming back in Deadpool 3. Um, oh, so that's so weird. Oh, that one. OK, sure. But well, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it, you can't say like, it's Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. That That's and also in Deadpool. It's like that's like the whole shit. Sure. And, De- and Deadpool will be a whole self-referential thing, all that yeah. stuff. Um, but yeah, it didn't. Uh, uh, didn't super work for me. Uh, so that was unfortunate. And, you know, I, lo- I love Kelsey Grammer. I think he was great casting as Beast for in X-Men 3 back in the day. Um, 30 years ago. <laughs> Maybe not quite that long. Maybe not quite. Uh, almost 20 years ago, actually. Um, so there's that. Uh, but yeah, I just, uh, it, it didn't work for me, unfortunately, uh, which is a bummer. However, right around the same time as the Marvels uh, happened, uh, Loki season two wrapped up. Uh, oh. And Loki season two, Great stuff. Really enjoyed it. Thought it was really fun. Um, so I know you uh, watched Loki season one. You enjoyed that, uh, but you haven't seen season two yet, right, Mike? Correct. I have not watched it yet. I would recommend watching season two. I, I, I have now seen the whole thing, and I can say that I think you will like it. Uh, okay. That, that's my... <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to screen the Marvel stuff for you now so that you can <laughs> maybe enjoy it. Uh, but I, I think you will enjoy Loki season two. I think it continues the trend of like the like all the themes of the first season and uh, like Tom Hiddleston's so great in it. Kihi Kwan is a really great addition to that show and he's really fun. And I think the season finale, which might be the series finale of the show, is really terrific. Like a really good ending for that character of that version of Loki right. uh, and all of that. And, uh, and all also, I think uh, a pretty like convenient way where they could write out Kang if they wanted to. They can like kind of like write out the character and go in a different direction and it would be fine. <laughs> That'd be great, honestly. Uh, um, so, yeah, we'll see what happens there. That sucks, though, with the, Mar- about the Marvels, it's just in general, obviously. But um, that's like the kind of thing that in theory, comic books are like the potential of comic books are so fun there where it's like, Oh, let's just take these three characters. One, I think like, uh, uh, it's like a super stand for Captain Marvel. Right. Yeah. Like that whole thing. And that would just be so like, like on paper is so much fun about comic books. Um, and then it just makes me think of that thing when you're reading a comic book and it's just like, bloop, if you want to understand what this is, read Miss Marvel, uh, issue four fifty, And you're just like, fuck off. Like, what do you do? Like, what do you <laughs> put, put an asterisk in here for? Um, uh, and that's just annoying, which I think they even, we even referenced them doing that in, uh, in uh, Spider-Verse 2, yes. uh, which is really funny when they do it in Spider-Verse 2, I <laughs> yeah. think. Um, I, I, honestly, some of the Marvel movies could probably use that. Just like, honestly, a, yeah. you know, a little a little bit like that. And I will say, I mean, like I said uh, before, I really like the Ms. Marvel TV show. And I think Iman Vellani as Ms. Marvel, fantastic in this movie. Like she, she kills heard. it. She, she's great. Uh, like she 
And the movie kind of ends, again, more spoilers for the end of the movie, but uh, there's a quick cameo from Haley Steinfeld as Kate Bishop, uh, as, as her version of Hawkeye. And it's, it's, it's sort of like a riff on Nick Fury recruiting Iron Man, where it's Kamala Khan recruiting Kate Bishop for like a new kind of Young Avengers sort of setup thing. And yeah, that's a version that, that that's something that I would enjoy seeing. Uh, so yeah. yeah, there you go. Sounds neat. Get a spider Gwen in there and we're on our way, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but all right, so that's the Marvels and also Loki season two worth watching there. What else you've been watching, Mike? Um, I watched all of the Matt Reeves Planet of the Apes prequel trilogy thing. Right. Uh, which we talked about last week with producer Colin, which the audio got lost for. So I'm going to bring it up again. God damn it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think when they made the trailer drop uh, of, of kingdom of the planet of the apes, which will be the fourth movie in that franchise, um, the prequel, fr- I don't know what number planet of the apes movie it would be, but, um, right. in the prequel tri- series, um, I was like, man, I never saw war for planet of the apes. I only saw rise and dawn, let me go back and spend a Saturday with the, the apes, basically. <laughs> Hang out with my ape buddies. With yeah. my ape pals. And um, yeah, rewatched uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, and then watched War for the Planet of the Apes all in one afternoon into night. Because <laughs> it's a lot of movies. Yeah. And um, man, I can't believe how fucking good these movies are. All They're of so them. great. Yeah. They're crazy. I mean, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, I remember being like, when that came out, being like, a, huh, why? Wait a second. Why is this good? Um, kind <laughs> yeah. of movie. And it still holds up. It's also, I think, 90 minutes or an hour 45. It's relatively short in terms of modern day blockbuster runtimes. So okay. I was like, hell yeah, yeah this is kind of cool. This is fun. Caesar rocks. Uh, you know, Andy Serkis as Caesar rocks. It's very funny. We talked about um, that moment in that, which has a, is it Tom Felton Malfoy yes. <laughs> from, from uh, Harry Potter, which is very funny. But he's the one that gets to say the line, uh, you know, keep your hip paws off me, you damn dirty ape or keep whatever he says. Yeah, um, like the exact line that Charlton Heston has in the original movie in the original one and it's just it's just a total dud it just sucks so yeah, hard um, but it, but like what they do with it feels very deliberate you know it feels like it like deliberately sucks almost (laughs) almost because it's followed up with i remember when this happened in the theater when caesar finally talks and he yells no at him you know there's like a beat of like a one second of like wow that line sucked and then no yes Uh, i remember being like mid eye roll and then like my eyes rolling back and being like what (laughs) (laughs) just like everyone gasping in the theater um so cool and um yeah and then it ends with the apes kind of taking over and then dawn uh uh, of the planet of the apes is sort of the you know i guess insurgency <laughs> kind of uh era or whatever right the the simian flu has wiped out humanity and and now the yeah. apes are living in their own society in the redwoods and all this stuff and uh jeremy clark is in that and gary oldman is in that and it's like one of those yep. movies that you're just like wait a second and i think this one in particular was really well received and i remember this being like a holy shit kind of movie um not being a surprise necessarily but just like wow great movie and it is awesome the action's awesome it has a incredible Incredible shot where uh, it's towards the end when it's like the big battle is going on and um, the humans roll in with a tank and yeah. there's one shot where the, the camera is just fixed on the like side of the tank and you see one of the it might be uh, Koba or somebody it's one of like the main yeah. uh, one of the apes. apes. Yeah, go in and it's just like throwing dudes out of the like hatch. Like he's just completely <laughs> yeah, killing so them. Good. It's awesome uh, as the as the the uh, top of the tank just like spins in a circle as the tank is rolling. So you just like are seeing all these buildings and stuff. Uh, it's just fucking amazing. And we used to have we used to have movies, and it was a <laughs> the second 
Planet of the Apes prequel. Um, yep. It's amazing. And then I watched War for the Planet of the Apes, and this might be the greatest movie that's ever been made. Right? <laughs> I don't it's understand. phenomenal. It. Yeah. I That was, uh, I think it was in my like top three movies that came out that year in 2017. I loved War for the Planet of the Apes so much. Yeah. I remember you being a huge fan of it. And I think that is kind of the prevailing opinion that the people that did see this movie, which I think, I don't know why it, people, I, I don't, I mean, I think it did well from what I like remember, but I don't think it had the quite the praise of, of the Dawn. impact of Dawn. Done, yeah. Yeah. Which is nuts because it's the best one and Don did so well. Why didn't everybody, why didn't I go see War for Flat of the Apes in 2017? I don't understand it. Um, but um, yeah, and it's just like straight up a Vietnam movie. Basically, it's it's Apocalypse Now where yeah. uh, uh, Woody Harrelson is this like rogue army commander that is kind of uh, squaring off against Caesar and the apes and, and also the humans because he's gone rogue basically. Um, and yeah, I mean, I mean, it's very funny. Like for a lot of the movie, it is just like kind of homage and subtext that it's it's that that yep. it's apocalypse now. And then at one point they go into uh, uh, Woody Harrelson's like base or office, and it's just like I forget if it's Purple Haze or some, it's some Jimi Hendrix song, and you're just like, oh okay, I get it. Right. <laughs> and and then literally they go into like tunnels under the base, and somebody has painted Ape Apocalypse now, and you're like, okay, all right, Matt Reeves, <laughs> calm down. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it fucking rules. It's so good. Um, what's his name? He plays Bad Ape in that, and I forget his Steve Zahn. I think is his name. Um, oh yeah, yeah. As he's Bad Ape in War for the Planet Apes, and he is the most like delightful, perfect character. That is just the sweetest boy that I love yeah. forever. Um, and he's so good at it. So yeah, I mean, if you if you were like me and just kind of like I'll get around to it on War for the Planet of the Apes, um, absolutely do it. Watch the trailer. Watch all three of them, and 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 then just enjoy the majesty that is War for the Planet of the Apes. Nice. Yeah, I uh, I have not seen these movies since War came out. Um, cause I, I remember I did a rewatch when War was coming out, so I watched Rise and Dawn then. Yeah. I have all three of them on Blu-ray, uh, and so yeah, I'm thinking a rewatch will have to happen before Kingdom comes out. Right. And I might try to do like a full Planet of the Apes rewatch. Like, watch the whole the, franchise? The whole franchise. I believe there's uh, five original movies. I think I've seen three of them. And then there's the Tim Burton Planet of the Apes remake, and, oh, then, yeah. there's, and then there's the uh, three Rise, Dawn, War prequels. Um, but I love the apes. I, I, I love Beast of Apes. Uh, so. Yeah, I, I even love um, in in Rise of, of the Planet of the Apes. They like reference the the Charlton Heston stuff because like yeah, on the news in the background they're talking about like the Icarus launch and all this stuff. And then they uh, there's like, like a newspaper headline at the end which is like you know like lost in space question mark or whatever. Right, it's like, that's the guy. That's them, and they're gonna come back later, <laughs> um, <laughs> which is fun. Um, yeah, so it's a, it's a weird like it, it's it actually is like a true prequel like trilogy. I think at the time. Yeah people were like oh this is just gonna like a reboot like a full yeah like but i think it actually is within the continuity of the original series which is neat um yeah and you know james franco is actually like pretty good in that first one john lithgow is really great as the the father with <sighs> alzheimer's i think i remember john lithgow being like heartbreaking in rise of the planet yeah, apes yeah. he's really devastating um and you know for, for the james franco of it all like he's okay he's sure, fine yeah. you know in that yeah. um but it's really about the the andy circus and the and the ape motion capture performances um, yeah it's unbelievable like if yeah. you know they should have nominated andy circus for an oscar for for playing Come caesar on. he's he's unbelievable in those movies and and it's the most amazing part of that is how good the apes look there's a lot of movies i think that have like very high or, or very cgi re reliant and they just kind of look like trash and like three years later they look like trash you know like, yeah like uh the flash 
sure. awful. <laughs> a few awful. months later, man, that that really looks like a immediately shit. upon <laughs> release. This looks like awful <laughs> trash. Um, but even Rise back to 2011 it looks amazing. Uh, 20 and War for the Planet of the Apes looks incredible. Uh, so yeah, I don't, it's just really impressive that this that these movies didn't cost 300 million dollars like they do, like Indiana Jones, which I know had other stuff going on. But uh, sure. you know, doesn't they don't have a budget that high? I'm sure they're very expensive to make, but they're not that that expensive and they look a thousand times better so yeah i'm a, I'm a little scared though for for kingdom of the planet of the apes because it's the maze runner guy <laughs> which <laughs> yeah, i haven't seen not, those movies it's, yeah it's not matt reeves anymore i mean he didn't direct uh, rise uh rupert wyatt directed rise and then matt reeves directed dawn and war right but uh yeah matt reeves i think uh, got hired on to the batman on the success of his his apes movies like on the strength of those yeah. and so yeah now it's wes ball directing kingdom of the planet of the apes who directed i think all of the maze runner movies i think there's three of them them, I want to say yeah uh, three or four which is yeah. crazy that there's uh, that many yeah I haven't seen any of the maze runners uh so I, I can't judge their quality uh you know I, I just I'm just hoping for good ape action you know I'm hoping True. for a good time yeah and that guy also right at the same time as the trailer for kingdom of the planet of the apes dropped was attached to the uh live action uh Zelda movie Yes. Yeah. He's also attached to that. So that's, yeah, that's so something. If, what, if or when that'll ever happen, but right. Really making maze runner moves, you know? Yeah, absolutely. He's running through that maze. <laughs> uh, yeah. There you go. That's the planet of the apes trilogy uh, that Mike D watched. I watched anatomy of a fall recently, uh, which is a new release uh, from uh, director Justine Triette. Uh, it won the Palm d'Or, the Cannes film festival earlier this year. Uh, and we were playing it at the Roxy. So I finally got the chance to watch it. Uh, this is a courtroom drama uh, about a woman played by Sandra Hewlett whose husband dies under mysterious circumstances uh, and she essentially has to clear her name and try to uh, you know make it like make the French court believe that she did not kill her husband and the question of whether or not she killed her husband is what you like you don't know whether she killed the husband or not. So you're kind of trying to figure out along with them. Uh, But the only witness to the event is her son, uh, who's like a 12, 13 year old kid who is blind. And so, yeah, that adds a wrinkle to it as well. And I love the, uh, the procedural aspects of this, of them just kind of going over the minute details of the case. Uh, The first half of the movie is just kind of them prepping for the court case. And then the back half of the movie is pretty much just the court case. And yeah, it's a really terrific courtroom drama. It's a, it's very snarky and, French. Uh, so that's very fun. There's a lot of very funny moments in it, um, but it's also very quietly devastating at other points. And uh, Sandra Hewler, uh, who is the main character, she's amazing in it. She's so great. Um, so yeah, Anatomy of a Fall just uh, recently stopped playing in theaters near me, but it might be playing near you. So if you go to get a chance to see it, uh, go see Anatomy of a Fall. It's great. Yeah, I've heard really great things. And uh, obviously with the Palme d'Or win, like, you know, lots of awards buzz for the end of the year for Oscars and stuff. Yeah. So um, that's exciting. And I've heard, yeah, amazing stuff. I just haven't, haven't gotten to it. It's it'll be that thing that uh when i text you at like in december in like i guess two weeks to be like hey what are some movies i missed uh yeah, and then i spend the last cram- week and a half of the year just cramming as much as you can <laughs> yeah for our top 10 <laughs> of the year episode um this will probably be in the mix yeah. nice uh yeah but go check out anime of fall and then i also went to go see uh priscilla is the new movie from director sophia coppola it is a priscilla presley biopic um with kaylee spanny playing priscilla jacob alordi from euphoria playing elvis and i will say kaylee spanny's greatest priscilla jacob Lordy is Elvis. There's something here. There's it's really good. That's um, what I heard. Um, everyone just like dunking on what's his name from Austin Elvis. Butler. Yeah. <laughs> like this guy like went insane and thought he was Elvis for whatever. Can't still talking in the accent. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, he like he lived as Elvis for three years and then Jacob Alerti like watched Lilo and Stitch once and it's like, I got it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
Um, but he really is truly like great as Elvis. I think, uh, and I think this movie, it could be a really interesting companion piece to the Elvis movie, which came out last year. Um, you didn't see the Elvis, right? Like no, you haven't I seen not. that one. So Elvis is this very big bombastic movie that is very much about like Elvis, the spectacle and partially like Elvis, the man, but it's more like the spectacle. And Priscilla is like barely in that movie. Like there's a, I think a quick montage where like he gets married and then she's off screen for the rest of it or whatever. Right. So Priscilla is this movie feels like a very good companion piece because it is the Priscilla movie and it's very squarely her movie. Uh, like Elvis is a supporting character who comes in and out sometimes, but uh, it is just kind of about her and it's quiet and demure. It's a Sofia Coppola movie, you know? So yeah. it, like it's, it just feels very different from uh, Elvis and it's just much more of a character piece. And it's about this relationship and this really weird, strange sort of toxic love story. Um, you know, because uh, infamously Priscilla Presley was like 14 years old when she and Elvis met. Uh, and so that's, and this movie doesn't shy away from that. In fact, it like really accentuates the fact that like, Oh, she was a child. Right. And so that's, that's part of it as well. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's really uh, an engaging story. It's a great biopic. Kelly Spaney is great in it. And yeah, I don't think there's any Elvis music used in the movie either. Um, like that, that whole, like the actual performance aspect of Elvis's career completely separate from this movie for the most part. Uh, and yeah, it does a really great job of uh, kind of depicting that. So yeah, Priscilla, Sofia Coppola's new movie worth watching. Nice. Yeah. I haven't also another one like, yeah, I've been hearing really great stuff. Haven't gotten around to it. Um, yeah. Just I uh, haven't been going to movies, you know? Yeah, that's fair. I, I reached the pinnacle with Saw X. I was like, fuck it. I'm out. No more. <laughs> and you didn't even go to that one. You watched it at home, right? <laughs> at home. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what was the last movie you went to go see, Mike? Just out of curiosity. Um, honestly, couldn't tell you. I'd have to think about it for a while before I, uh, um, <laughs> Mission Impossible probably. Actually, now I'm thinking about it. Okay. Yeah. That was back in July. July. Yeah. Man. I think. Cause yeah, right after that, I got my job. Can't go on Tuesdays now. <laughs> well, <Right>. it's empty. <laughs> but I was going yeah. on Tuesdays when it's five dollars tickets. You know. Right. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, all right. What else you been watching, Mike? I got my last thing is uh, uh, basically a David Fincher double feature, and okay. I'll start with the old one, and we could both talk about the new one. Sounds but, good. Yeah. You recently talked about watching 1997's The Game, crossing off the last one for you that you hadn't seen, I think, or something that, like that. That was the only David Fincher movie I had not seen, and I had I had had that Criterion disc for a long time, and just never got around to watching it and i wanted to finish i wanted to watch it before the killer came out essentially right um i had the opposite right thing where i was like i watched the killer and i was like wait a second i still haven't watched the game <laughs> so <laughs> i was like let me watch that um and yeah it, it, it just fucking incredible i don't know it's just mwah, chef's kiss of a movie michael yeah. douglas this uh you know investment banker guy and his brother sean penn buys him a it's like a like a serious version of game night <laughs> yes yeah essentially it is yeah this like uh you know kind of like a live action game thing it's this uh uh, creative, I forget what the CRS is, the acronym, I forget what the actual name of the right. company is, and oh yeah, we're going to sign you up for this thing, and, and you'll, you won't know when it starts, and it'll be this whole interesting game thing. Um, and they call him and tell him, actually, your application is rejected, you'll not be participating in the game, sorry for wasting your time. Yeah, And then people start doing stuff with the game to him, and he's like, well, no, I'm not supposed to be here, you know, kind right. of like But that's all part of the game. It's all part of the game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. Uh, and he's got the, the nightly news the evening news anchor cuts in and he's talking to having a conversation with him live on this tv and this whole yeah. thing and um yeah and then he's just off to the races on this whole uh conspiracy you can't can't trust your own eyes you don't know who's in on it who's what's part of the game and who's not part of the game and all this stuff and i, and I 
love this is one of my favorite things because one of my friends pointed it out to me how much he hates this in movies and now it's so noticeable when this thing happens yeah where it's like just take a deep breath and explain what's going on to this person and the movie won't be happening anymore like you'll just get out of the plot <laughs> but because everybody's like it's too much to explain uh we have yeah. another two hours of movie to happen <laughs> you know, it's so funny when that thing happens so but yeah there's a lot of that going on where he's like it's it's too confusing and he just runs out of the room and you're like yes. no just stay and tell him what's going on <laughs> Which is very funny. But um, yeah, everybody's, all the performances are so great. It's just, you know, Michael Douglas, man. He you know, kills it. He's so great he's in this so movie. Good yeah. in this movie. <laughs> he's such a scumbag at the beginning. And I love the the whole, you know, he's on top of the world. He's the big power broker guy with the thousand dollar pair of loafers. Um, and then by the end, he's like hitchhiking into a diner, like a roadside diner with his $18 uh, in his pocket, trying to beg for a ride home. Yeah. Uh, it's just like brought to the lowest lows. Um, and then to even lower lows at the actual end of the movie. <laughs> is crazy uh and then everyone's just applauding and laughing and um i forget what the song is that plays oh ask alice is the song at the very end right um, yeah and it's just great needle drop uh but yeah this movie's so good and it's just like david fincher baby he had it from the start yes you know? no uh, that that movie is is so fun it's a it's such a great just like psychological thriller where you're just kind of like it does a good job of placing you in michael douglas's shoes where you're like as confused as he is and you're like yeah. as stressed out as he is yeah. uh yeah it's 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 really really fun uh, i remember specifically just getting very excited when james Rebhorn showed up because i was like yeah like it's it's rap horn baby let's go yeah i mean just down to like when it when it first like first like starts like the game with like the waitress spilling the drink on him yeah um and she gets fired and he's like chases her out into the alleyway of the restaurant to like try to explain like i'm sorry this whole thing and then the guy pat like falls down and has a heart attack in the alleyway next to them and then they get in the ambulance and then they get to the hospital and then the lights go out and everybody yep. scatters and you're just like what is this what is this game what is gonna be happening if these are the levels we're at at the beginning yeah uh, and then it just goes a million miles an hour from there it's so much fun yeah absolutely so uh yeah that's the game uh and yeah it's on the uh, criterion disc i think it like kind of comes on and off the criterion channel every once in a while yeah so yeah worth watching it's it's uh i think and i think a lot of people for a lot of people that's like the david fincher blind spot a little bit like it's the movie he made in between seven and fight club like right. you know? <laughs> Right, his other movie. Um, right, and uh, yeah, I think it's. I think it belongs right up there in the conversation with Seven and Fight Club in the the, the Fincher oeuvre. Yeah, absolutely. And then of course uh, you watched uh, David Fincher's newest film, right, Mike? Yes, David the Killer dropped on Netflix uh, two weeks ago. Last week, I don't remember. November tenth, I think. Yeah, November third, maybe. Yeah, something like that. I November tenth. Yeah, tenth. Um, and yeah, we were. I was chilling with my friend, and somebody's like, "You ever hear this? You hear about this movie, The Killer?" And I was like, "Why is it out?" And he's like, "Yeah, it's on Netflix right now." I was like, "What are we doing? Let's go." <laughs> <laughs> Everyone just shut up. turn the table over. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> like that, the Chappelle show thing where he knocks the pitcher of water over. Um, right. Basically is what I did. And yeah, so then we sat down and watched The Killer, uh, Michael Fassbender uh, as a professional assassin hangout movie. I don't really know how to describe this movie. <laughs> it is not, you know, and I mean, I watched, like I said, I watched the game like a couple days after I watched The Killer, but it's like so, like that's kind of what I thought The Killer was going to be. Right. And the I think killer it leans is, into. Um, yeah. And I think The Killer is very different than what you expect it to be right yeah absolutely i like a comedy almost yeah <laughs> it's, it's really wild. funny it's a very funny movie it is absolutely i think one of the reviews somewhere i saw is like it's the funniest movie with no jokes in it um <laughs> And that's really how it feels. And yeah, it's just about Michael Fassbender um, on a job that goes wrong, basically, in the beginning, in the first act, uh, and then the fallout 
therein. Um, and it's a classic, you know, a hitman on a job that goes wrong movie <laughs> kind yeah. of thing. So it's a lot of the stuff you might expect and the double crosses and all that. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's really funny. It's like just incredibly stylized too. Um, and it, I think it's really interesting to view it like the, your expectation of this movie is also what the main character thinks he is, which is, I think, the best part. Um, yes. I think the reason why, I mean, I think this movie does sort of have jokes in it, but it's more just oh, yeah. like you're hearing a lot of it is just Michael Fassbender's like stream of consciousness, like narration right. um, that's happening, which almost feels like a parody of like the narration from Fight Club. Uh, <laughs> I think you're 100% right. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I think you're out of something. Yeah. You know, where he's just like, you know, always like, 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 oh, these pe- like these peons, I'm so much better than everybody else kind of, kind of thing. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, just making fun of like, oh, enjoy your wordle. Like that's like. Yeah. <laughs> Jack's uh, seething rage or whatever, like all that shit from Fight Club. Yeah, one of my favorite lines in this is uh, he's like, I think he's like on the run doing something. It's like, okay, I must, I got, I got to think. Like WWJWBD, what would John Wilkes Booth do? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Oh my god. I mean, it's like, have you ever seen? uh, Did you ever see Le Samurai? Yes. Yeah. And it's like that's what he thinks he is, right? But there's he uh, Elaine Delon in that movie is so quiet. (laughs) <laughs> like he, he ne- <laughs> almost never talks in the whole movie. And in this movie, Michael Fassbender's character just won't stop talking. Um, yes. It's so funny. And I mean, but honestly, like when there is action and stuff like that fight, the fist fight scene is incredible. Yeah, it's, it's so, so good. good. Yeah. So like it, it is simultaneously this kind of like deconstruction of like the Hitman movie, but also a, f- a really good one too. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I actually, I got the chance to watch this in a theater, um, which uh, oh, I think nice. most people are, are not going to get the chance to do. Uh, and I was almost, I almost didn't. I was really annoyed about it. Um, so the, the the killer opened at the Roxy, uh, the Indie Theater near my house in Missoula, Montana, where I also work. Uh, and it opened on November 3rd. And I was in New York at that time. Uh, uh. And so I was busy with my mom's party and I couldn't uh, go see it and yeah got back on like tuesday and uh we only had the movie for a week because it was hitting netflix that friday and so on thursday morning um i came into work early at like 10 a.m and watched the killer in the theater by myself uh nice. just before work started <laughs> before i had to do anything for work <laughs> and so that that's what i ended up doing and i'm glad i did uh, because yeah the sound design in this movie is so great like the the sound is so good and i think it's a it's a really entertaining movie i i did feel like i was like ah, you know i think maybe because it was different from what I was expecting it to be. Like it felt a little bit off to me, Um, but I did wonder, and I think I feel pretty confident in saying this. I think if I watch the killer again, I'm going to really love it. Like, I feel like if I watch it, give it a second watch, I'm going to be like really on board, like team killer, like all the way, you know? And yeah. And also Tilda Swinton uh, makes brief appearance in this movie. uh, And her scenes are in Beacon, New York, although not actually shot in Beacon, New York. And that was kind of a bummer. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And then Charles Parnell is in this movie too. The guy from Top Gun Maverick who goes, yeah, yeah, does the fist bump. The war- does the Warlock. fist bump. Warlock. Yes. And I did that fist bump myself when I saw him pop up on screen. Uh, so yeah, he's great too when he shows up. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I just love, I love all the like, yeah, the rules that he has for himself and all this stuff. And then he's just like, not, he doesn't follow a single one ever. Um, yes. So good. Uh, the killer baby. Yeah, the killer. Uh, it is on Netflix right now, and uh, yeah, it's a new Fincher. Go watch it; it's real good. Uh, and then, way better than Mank, gotta say. I mean, I, I'm pretty high on Mank. I liked Mank, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, I know just you had to get a dig on Mank. Sorry. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, I know you were not as big on Mank as I was. <laughs> uh, I got two more movies to talk about, Mike, before we wrap this up. First of which uh, is a new Indian action movie called Jawan, and uh, I think in our last discussions episode, I talked about Pathan. 
um, yes. which is also a new Indian action movie. Both of these movies feature Shah Rukh Khan in the lead role. Shah Rukh Khan, uh, who is India's biggest action star, and these are this is like his first attempt at making action movies. He's never made an action movie before this year, and now he's had Pathan and Jawan. Wow. Uh, and I think they are both about equal in terms of quality. I might like Jawan a little bit more just on a storytelling level. I think Pathan has a lot more action in it, uh, and the action is suitably insane. Uh, but the action in Jawan, when it's there, is also pretty insane. Nice. Uh, and it's a really insane movie. It's incredibly convoluted and wild. It's almost three hours long, uh, like many Indian movies are. And it stars Shah Rukh Khan as this prison warden who runs like this women's prison. All the women in the prison love him. They're big fans of, <laughs> of, uh, of, of Shah Rukh Khan as the prison warden. And he's also using them to facilitate these attacks. He is secretly like attacking like, you know, various things throughout Indian cities in order to make the government give him money so that he can then disperse it to the poor, like to the farmers who are being like, uh, you know, abused by the by the society. Right. Right. Uh, and so the first like 40 minutes of this movie is like a taking of Pelham one, two, three thing where he holds a train hostage and he gets all the money from the government. And then he like gives the money to like a thousand uh, Indian farmers who are like on the verge of killing themselves, because if they kill themselves, they get money from the government to uh, that they can give to their families. Uh, right. It's like a whole wild backward system. And so that's all going on. Meanwhile, Shah Rukh Khan is also playing his own father. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, who, who has amnesia and doesn't know that he has a son. And But his, his father is like a, a uh, like a soldier from way from like way back who got lost in a village and he became this village's messiah. And so there are, there's like these gang wars that are happening that are trying to take down prison warden Shah Rukh Khan uh, because of all the uh, money he's stealing from the government. Also, he's getting married uh, and the woman he's marrying is the woman from the government is hunting him down and she doesn't know it. Uh, there's a <laughs> lot of stuff going on. All I can think of is Shirley in community just being like, okay, Charlie Kaufman, I get it, but some of us have work in the morning. Uh, <laughs> Uh, correct. Uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, it, it's an incredibly convoluted movie. Uh, the action is awesome. It's really fun. And, uh, I think it's a really, it's a really fun movie to watch. It's a, it's a good time. And, uh, there's a few, you know, uh, dance song sequences, mm-hmm. uh, which are also pretty fun. You know, it's it, ever since triple R, I've been like trying to chase the high of, of that movie with the uh, Indian action. I've kind of dipping my toe into it with the uh, Pathan and Juwan. both movies I enjoyed. They're not quite triple R, but they are very good. Uh, nice. and, and I was kind of wondering like, man, how would this play if it was in a theater like if i played this for inferno of danger would people react to it the way i want them to react i don't know well I'll, i i may see what happens there Interesting. Um, but uh yeah joan it's it's worth watching and it's on netflix right now uh in the original hindi it's a hindi language movie um so yeah check it out there uh and then i have one more movie to talk about here uh which just came out this weekend it is the newest hunger games movie the hunger games the ballad of songbirds and snakes and Hunger Games, man, it's back, baby. In a big way. No, <laughs> In a big know. way. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I was never like the biggest Hunger Games guy, but I did w- read those books and watch those movies. Like I saw, I saw them all, and uh, you know, I was, I was always kind of like, yeah, they're pretty good. They're fine. Like I, I didn't love them, but I was like, ah, oh, they're solid. But I, I remember specifically really liking um, Mockingjay Part One. I thought that was a pretty good movie. Mockingjay Part Two, awful. I remember that that <laughs> one being pretty bad. <laughs> I, I can't, couldn't tell you what the difference was. Well, one was Part One, and one was Part Two. Well, uh, that's <laughs> right there at the title. You're right. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, but I remember liking the movies to a degree, but I also have not gone back to revisit them at all. Like I, I left the Hunger Games behind. It was not a franchise that I felt all that attached to. Right. Uh, and so the Hunger Games, Battle of Songbirds and Snakes, 
Snakes was coming out. Uh, I wasn't really looking forward to it, but I actually heard pretty solid things leading up to it. Like critical reviews were like, you know, pretty good. Uh, and my girlfriend wanted to see it. So we went to go see The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. It's about as good as the other ones. It's fine. It's, it's an right. okay time. <laughs> Fair enough. This one stars Rachel Zegler, uh, who I like a lot from uh, the West Side Story remake. And she plays uh, Lucy Gray Baird. Uh, this is a prequel that takes place, you know, many, many years before the original movies. I think the original movie is like the 74th Hunger Games. And this one is the 10th. Uh, right. So the Hunger Games is like still a relatively new phenomenon within the world, within the world of Pan Am. And it's in danger of like not catching on. Like it's in danger of like not being like, you know, the tradition, like the capital wants it to be. And so this movie is uh, really the origin story of President Snow, who is Donald Sutherland's character in the original series, right. uh, the, the main bad guy, uh, who is played by Tom Blythe in this movie. And it's about kind of his relationship with Rachel Zegler. Rachel Zegler is a tribute who has to compete in the Hunger Games. He is her mentor. And, you know, he's like, you know, this rich snob who comes from the capital, but he falls in love with her and they have a sort of relationship. But he ultimately goes to like an Anakin Skywalker-esque arc and ultimately becomes, like, you know, the overall bad guy of the series right. uh, as the movie goes on. Uh, the movie's solid. It's, you know, it, the actual Hunger Games part of it, it's, it takes place in three parts and the Hunger Games is the second part and that stuff is pretty good. I like watching kids kill each other. I, I gotta, yeah. <laughs> gotta say. Battle Royale, uh, it's right there. Yeah, exactly. That's fun stuff. Uh, you know, uh, people kept telling me like, oh man, this movie's like more brutal than the other ones. And I was like, is it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't seem huh. that bad. <laughs> um, but I also think, you know, people who like, not, you know, a lot of people who re watch the Hunger Games movies maybe don't watch a lot of more brutal movies than that. You know, that's yeah, fair. I mean, that's, that's fair. That's Those were pretty sanitized from what I remember. I mean, I also didn't read the books, but uh, I don't remember them being particularly graphic or anything. Right. Um, but I think just the idea of like kids killing each other is it's, you know, it that's that's a lot. That's heavy. For sure. But also, you know, I've, I've seen way worse. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've seen Battle Royale. <laughs> yeah, I've, um, I've seen Come and See. I, I yeah. can handle the Hunger Games. Exactly. Um, and so... Uh, yes, yeah, so the actual games are pretty fun. I think the lead up to it's fine. The like the end of it, it sort of feels like a movie that like weirdly maybe could have been two movies. Like it feels like the ending feels rushed. I think the last like third of it feels like it could have been stretched out into two. And, uh, you know, I, that's one of those things where like, I don't want to advocate for that. Like, I think that really yeah. hurt the Mockingjay movie, uh, <laughs> you know, but in this case, maybe, maybe it could have worked. There is enough. There was enough here for it to maybe do two, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, and they did one and, uh, I'm sure it could be, I'm sure they could make more if they wanted to. Uh, I know this is actually based on a book that was released a few years after the book series. Um, so there was like a text for it and I don't think there's anything else beyond that. Wow, so I'm surprised. Yeah. Uh, me too a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's, it's an okay time. I had a fine time watching the hunger games, the ballad of songbirds and snakes. It is two hours and 40 minutes, um, Woof. which is a long, which is a lot for a hunger games movie, I think. Uh, and I, <laughs> I told that to my girlfriend. It was, she, she wanted to see it, but she was like, Oh wait, how long is it? And I was like, I looked it up. Oh, it's two hours and 40 minutes. And she was like, what? Why, <laughs> why, why is it so long? And I was like, well, this is a whole ballad of songbirds and snakes. We have to go through. <laughs> yeah. Get through <laughs> this, everything. On this, this isn't yeah. just some ditty of songbirds and snakes we had to go through the whole ballad here. <laughs> i mean that's a half hour shorter than killers of the flower moon right or <laughs> just uh just about an hour shorter than killers, oh, of, the flower moon. Okay. killers of the flower moon three and a half hours but way better uh way, way, very well worth it uh yeah hunger games if you like the hunger games movies you will probably enjoy hunger games ballad of songbirds and snakes but it really truly did feel like weirdly heavily influenced by the star wars prequels um wild so you know just it, what an what an era we're living in you know <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I, I got nothing. You know, we got the the people that uh, when George Lucas was you know making Star Wars, he's referencing you know the Akira Kurosawa movies and stuff. And yeah. now people growing up are referencing the prequels. <laughs> Star Wars. <laughs> All right, cool, I guess. Uh, yes. I mean, we still have Matt Reeves making his Apocalypse Now Planet of the Apes True. movies, you know? That's <laughs> so a good point. There's that. Um, but all right. So I think that's going to wrap up discussions this week, Mike. Yeah, we, we talked about a lot of stuff. We certainly did. Yeah, that was a lot of stuff to get through. Uh, so Mike D, where can we find you online this week? Um, you can find me at MD Film Blog on Twitter and Letterboxd and Blue Sky. You can also donate to support the show on our Kofi page, which is Kofi.com slash Mike and Mike Pods. You can also um, donate $50. Pick, pick an episode. We dare yeah. you to do it give us give us dollars and we'll talk about whatever you want you can do that on our Kofi page and if you want merch we have merch available on our Redbubble which is mikeandmikepods.redbubble.com yes indeed you can find me online at msmithfilmblog on Twitter Mike Smith Film on Letterboxd and Radio Mike Sandwich on Instagram uh, thanks so much for listening to Mike and Mike Go to the Movies I'm Mike Smith that's my decree show don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast app and if you want to contact us hit us up at Mike and Mike Pod uh, you can find the rest of our podcast in Rapture Press alongside many other podcasts about kinds of comp books and movie news and all that good stuff uh next week it's a mike makes mike watch no is this time already it is time for that mike makes mike watch i am making mike d watch francis ha uh That's which right of course, is directed by Noah Baumbach, uh, co-written by Noah Baumbach and Greta Gerwig, starring Greta Gerwig. Mike D just on a Greta Gerwig kick lately. Uh, I made him watch Lady Bird. He watched Barbie of his own accord. And yes. uh, now he'll get to watch Francis Ha, which I think is the best of those three movies. Interesting. Yeah. I also, um, around that time of Barbie slash, I think when we watched uh, Lady Bird, there is a Screen Drafts episode for uh, all of Greta Gerwig's directorial movie. No, just anything that she was in, actually. Um, okay. And uh, yeah, so then I was like, huh, let me download all these movies. So I've got a bunch of Gerwig uh, uh, you know, in the queue. I haven't gotten any of those other ones yet, but uh, nice. Uh, well, Mistress America is actually my favorite. So that's uh, well, nice. well worth watching that too. If you happen to, if you want to do a double feature of Francis Hyde, Mistress, Mistress America, I won't, uh, I won't stop you. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and so, then I'm, I'm making you watch uh, Ravenous. Finally, yes, it's happening. I am very excited about this. I believe it's on the Criterion channel now, um, which is cool. Yeah. Um, it might be in like the nineties horror. Hello. No, something. I don't know. It's on there somewhere, somewhere in there. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I know you've been talking about this movie for a couple of years now, uh, I think. Uh, you, and you're a huge fan of Ravenous. You've seen it a couple of times, right? Yes, a handful of times. I almost came to Montana just to see Ravenous on, in theaters that one time. Right. And then we ultimately did not get to play it. So it's a good thing you got sick that weekend, I think. Right? Yes, that was it. I got sick. Yeah. Right. Uh, you, you got sick like a day before you were supposed to come out. Uh, and then we we ultimately couldn't play Ravenous that weekend, I think because there was no like there was no easy way to get it or it was so expensive that we couldn't play it. Yeah. Um, something weird. We were supposed to play Ravenous for Trash Vault, and instead we played Boarding House, yes. um, which I went to go see Boarding House, and man, I'm really glad you didn't fly out for Boarding House. <laughs> <laughs> Would have been hilarious. Um, uh, but then I made it for uh, Camp Horror, so it all worked out. Exactly, yes. Uh, so yeah, Ravenous and Francis Ha next week. In the meantime, The Complete Works just did our episode on A Haunting in Venice, uh, which of course is the final Michelle Yeoh movie of the regular season. Next week, it is the epic Michelle Yeoh finale episode we made it we did it the big grand countdown episode lots of reminiscing lots of different categories it's good it's a good episode yes it feels like just yesterday that we were doing the season two finale <laughs> right doesn't it oh i thought you were gonna say that we recorded it um <laughs> it, i mean it literally was just yesterday that we recorded the season three finale 
<laughs> I thought you were doing a goof. Um, no, but, I, I meant literally. Like, it, it doesn't feel like that much time has passed. Uh, no, I mean, yeah, like I think we, uh, just over a year, and you know, or, or coming up on two years, I guess, since we actually finished Goldblum. But um, right, yeah, yeah, like last sp- spring, twenty twenty two, we we wrapped up Goldblum, uh, which is crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, Michelle Yeoh finale coming at you next week, and that is the end of this week's episode of Mike and Mike Go to the Movies. We will see you on the other side. Oh, 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 o